good morning again. <clears throat> Thank you so much, Sherry, for the songs this morning and praise team. You know, it's a great day to be in God's house today. Amen? You imagine in other places of the world right now, meetings being held in secret. Imagine being in China. I remember the story of David Platt going to China. David was a pastor of a mega church in Alabama. David was the, actually the leader of our North American Mission Board for a while. And they asked David to come and speak about the New Testament. And they came, they came, they came, they came. But by 8 o'clock, there's 20 people scattered in this room. Well, I guess we need to be starting. And No, David, not yet. By 10 a.m., they had 40 people in this room. They had to secretly bring them in, secretly bring them in, because it was illegal to have a church there. And so David literally, they spent the entire day. By 11 o'clock that night, he's into Revelations. He's trying to cover everything about every book of the New Testament. He's worn out. The joy of the Lord around these people. They just absolutely love to hear the Word of God. And what was so amazing is, man comes up to him and shakes his hand and goes, that's the most I've ever heard about the Word of God. Can you come back tomorrow and do the Old Testament? <laughs> so he did. Imagine the day that you first came to know Christ. Imagine the day that you first came to know your spouse or significant other, that first boyfriend, that first girlfriend, what we think might have been love. The joy that you experienced the joy of our first child being born, all three of our children actually, but Whitney was especially a surprise in the fact that she was born with 103 temp, and for the next many hours, 12, 14 hours or more, she wasn't allowed to be near Marla. So I got to take Whitney, take her to the NICU in Jeff City at the old St. Mary's, and I had this old on-the-shoulder video camera. You remember the old RCAs with the full VHS? Oh, yeah. And what she saw for the first hours of our daughter's life was that. And the joy obviously dampened a little bit. New mom, first time. The saddest part for me was having to go home when they released her and Whitney still had to be in the hospital. I walked into the room, saw the crib, and I just broke down. But I knew that I knew that I knew that my God was an awesome God. And I knew that my God was a healer. And that I knew that the joy of the Lord only comes from Him. It's nothing that we do. If you all have your Bibles this morning, I'm going about this a little bit differently. We're going to look at John chapter 15, verses 9 through 14. I'm going to be speaking from the ESV, English Standard Version. <clears throat> then we're going to leave John just a little bit and go into Ephesians. We have a flashing light above us. John 15, 9 through 14. Let's stand for the reading of God's word this morning, if you don't mind, please. Verse 9 begins, As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Let's bow for a word of prayer as we begin. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful to be in your house again this morning. Father, speak through these words. Father, we just pray that we can remember the joy, Father, that we can know the joy that only comes from you. Father, I thank you for the joy of Russell and Heather getting to see their kids and grandkids and the protection, Father, for them this week. Lead us and guide us and help us to understand your word. And I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So I already told Jan this this morning. I was going to put Larry's picture up for this thing, just so you all know. I'm not, I didn't do that. A uh, little boy got saved and was sitting on the front pew, and he looked up at this old man. The old man looked upset. He says, well, Mr., do you need to get saved? Young boy, I've been a deacon for 30 years. I've been the chairman of deacons for 15 years. And the little boy looks up at him with these innocent eyes and says, it doesn't matter what you did, mister. Jesus loves you, and you can be saved too. So again, the joy of the Lord. And what happens is that little boy with the joy of the Lord will run into a brick wall that is the world. It could be someone in his family. It could be a friend. And immediately that joy is like a candle being snuffed out sometimes if we don't support them, if we don't love them. If you guys will look back at verse 9, this is the main part of this. It says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. We're to be about the Lord's business of loving one another. Building up. You know, you remember Joshua in the Battle of Jericho? You know, they were doing things that normal people would say, uh-uh, do this and walk around how many times? And who tore down? They didn't tear down. The Lord tore it down. Our Lord wants us about the business of building, building up, supporting. What kind of love does God have for us? Some may think he chooses who he loves, but those who truly know him, that the first point this morning is God's love is great. Our God is a mighty God. How great is our God? If you, if you want to turn to Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, a lot of these verses will be up here on the screen. But 2, 4, and 5 of Ephesians says, But God... That's really all we need to say. Who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in trespasses, you were saved by grace. You didn't do it. Nothing that we can do can get us to heaven. Russell even mentioned talking about that great gulf, that Grand Canyon, that vast divide after the garden, the separation that we have from an almighty God. But if you look back, and I don't have the verses up here, this is verses 1 through 3, let me read this to you. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Does that not sound like today? Disobedience, wrath. But then it says... After all of that, but God. When you look at those, last, those first three verses, the man in sin is dead, dominated, and under the wrath of God. So man's condition is helpless, hopeless, but God. So there's a Christian, I, I, love, I love music, love music. I especially like a group called Big Daddy Weave. Years ago, Marlon and I were blessed to see them at Silver Dollar City. He's a big guy. I'm a big guy. We kind of relate. 
you guys have probably heard of Zach Williams. If you haven't, we've sung Chainbreaker in church, among others. They were touring with the first time with Zach. You want to talk about the great, great, greatness and goodness of God. So Zach lived more of a rock and roll lifestyle. He was actually on a touring bus in Spain. He was really apart from God. And he heard the song by Big Daddy Weave called Redeemed. I've been redeemed. I've been set free. And it really helped bring him back to the Lord. And not just the song, obviously the grace and the power of God. Well, they were, they're sitting on the tour bus. Zach starts playing this song called Alive. And the chorus goes, but God, again, like we just read, but God, rich in mercy, you came to save me. Now I'm alive. But God, strong and mighty, you reached down for me so I could rise. Now I'm alive. The wild part of the story is, and back, go back to the picture of the two, two groups if you don't mind. The big guy on the right is Mike Weaver. That's the brother. So the guy in the middle with the hat and the guy on the right are brothers. Mike had just lost his leg to diabetes. Their dad had just passed away, and their mom had been diagnosed with cancer. So they're touring with, like, this giant blanket over them. You know what I'm saying. We know what it's like to be that down. So Zach on the bus is in tears. Zach's telling them, your song, Redeemed, helped lead me back to Christ. And they're saying, this song, Alive, is what we need right now. And Zach said, that's why I brought it to you. I want you guys to record it. He knew what they had been going through. Now, how is that not God speaking through an instrument? In this case, Big Daddy Weave and, and, and Zach. You know, I hate the word great today in the simple fact that we've lessened its meaning. Everything has to be great. That movie was, what was that? Great. Oh, that speaker, I'm not saying about myself, was great. I loved, I love Brother Dennis. I really, really do. Brother Dennis gives me a lot of grief. You know what he said the Sunday we were gone and we came back? Boy, that Dan Swadley, <clears throat> he was a breath of fresh air. <laughs> he was great. <laughs> you know, none of these things even measures up to what the Bible means about the greatness of God. They sang about the goodness of God while we were gone. You know, when we say God's love is great, people in the world are like, oh, that's nice, you know. My wife's love is great. When God tells us his love is great, he tells us that it goes beyond our understanding, beyond our ideas of greatness. We don't get it. We don't truly understand how great that is. How many of us, and I should see most hands here, and I'm going to put mine up too, how many of us are occasionally in the revenge business, and I don't mean attempting revenge, Someone does something to you and you get angry. Driving to church today, <laughs> etc., whatever, right? How do we understand a God who in the Old Testament, give us a king. I brought you out of Egypt. Stupid manna? <sighs> Seriously? Sweet bread from heaven every day. <sighs> I want to go back and make bricks. And then once they get kings... It's like the worst tennis match in history. Good king, good king, bad king, good king, bad king. You've ever seen a tennis match? Neck hurts just thinking about it. How does that God still be that great when his people are that rebellious, that apart from him? We've all had that rebellious stage, right? We say we terrible twos become terrible teenagers. 
Sometimes it stays from two to teenagers. I don't know. I'm, I guess our kids are perfect by any means. But I want to say the one thing about God's love, we can't measure God's love. Second point is God's love is immeasurable. If you want to look at, at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18, we may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be fulfilled with the fullness of God. Think about that. The height, the depth, the breadth, the width. How far the east is from the west. You go in a straight line, those will never meet. God's love is immeasurable. How can we comprehend the infinite love of God? We can know it, but only in a little part. We can be touched by his love and bathed, yet the fullness of such love be, is beyond our vastness to understand. God's love is boundless and unfathomable. He is literally the all-forgiving God. You know the one thing that we do is we don't forget. That is also an issue that we have. How many times have you gotten your life back on the right track, your, things are going along great, and something happens, well, I remember back when you... Is that the voice of God saying that? What does God say when you ask forgiveness? He does what? Those in the depths of the sea forgets it, as far as the east is from the west. We remember we need to forget more. We need to forgive more. When we bring up those things from the past, all that does, you've seen Jacob Marley, you know, the... Christmas Scrooge, he's wearing the chains of life. We're just throwing chains on those people to bring them down. Our God is a chain breaker. Our God wants to lighten the load. Matthew says, my rest, come to me. My yoke is light. God's love is not temporary the way some relationships work out today. Consider this. Older man just married a lovely young lady. Begin to whether he, he might have married him for his money. So he asked her, tell me the truth. If I lost all my money, would you still love me? She smiled and said, oh, honey, don't be silly. Of course, I'd still love you and miss you deeply. <laughs> so, you know, what love is is what we sing about sometimes. One of my favorite hymns in the hymnals is the love of God. Frederick Lehman wrote this. <clears throat> it's the second verse that I absolutely love. It's actually when he wrote it, it was originally the third verse in our hymnals. It's the second verse. It was written, on, found on the wall of a room of an asylum by a man who before he died had obviously come to know God's love. And it says, Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? So stop there and think about that. Think about the skies being a parchment and the ocean's ink to write the love of God. And were every stock on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade. So if everybody was writing about the love of God, the next slide says, to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry, nor could that scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. The love of God cannot be measured. It's not on a Hallmark card. It doesn't matter if you do something nice for your loved one, which is great. But you do it because you love that person, not for brownie points. Our God does not keep score, except in one book. You know how difficult that is for everybody in the world to understand? What do you mean? I say yes, and I believe in Jesus, and you have to believe in Jesus. Not the head knowledge, the heart knowledge of Jesus, which is very important. 
I can go to heaven? Then you look at Paul. Paul's a bounty hunter. He's dog. He's out there arresting Christians, hauling them off. And yet Jesus gets him on the road and just changes his life. How does our God do that? Because our God is a forgiving God. Our God is a loving God. <clears throat> you know, I like that song. I love the chorus. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall evermore endure the saints and angels song. You know, in the Bible, it's actually interesting. A lot of is said about praise and worship music. We're going to read a verse here in a little bit from uh, Psalms 136. But basically, the entire book of Psalms 136, his love endures forever, is at the end of every sentence out of 28 verses. And in Revelation, it says that we're going to be standing before the, the throne of a holy God. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Repeating things, she repeats a lot to me. I have a hard time hearing because I have a very hard head. She gets it. She understands it. But that needs to be our song. The love of God. So on a completely different thing, let's talk about love for a minute. This is a West Virginia farm kid in marine basic training on Paris Island. I can't tell you when it was. I found the story online. Dear Mon Pa, I'm well. Hope you are. Tell Brother Walt and Brother Elmer the Marine Corps beats working for my old man by a mile. Old man Mitch, excuse me, not her old man. Tell them to join up quick before all the places are filled. I was restless at first because you get to stay in bed till nearly 6 a.m., but I'm getting so I like to sleep late. Tell Walt and Elmer all you do before breakfast is smooth your cot, shine some things, no hogs to slop, feed to pitch, mash to mix, wood to split, fire to lay, practically nothing. Men got to shave, but it's so sad. There's warm water. Breakfast is strong. Trimmings like fruit juice, cereal, eggs, bacon, etc., but kind of weak on chops, potatoes, ham steak, fried egg, plant pie, and other regular food. But tell Walt and Elmer you can always sit by the two city boys that live on nothing but coffee. Their food, plus yours, holds until noon when you get fed again. So one of these city boys can't walk much, but goes on these routine marches. Platoon sergeant says, or a long walk to hardness. If you think so, it's not my place to tell him different. A route march is about as far as our mailbox was at home. City guys get sore feet, and they ride back in trucks. I think 10 miles is a long way to go. Everybody rides around with a the frown. They don't bother you none. The next will kill Walt and Elmer with laughing. I keep getting medals for shooting. I don't know why. That bullseye is nearly as big as the chimp buck head, and it don't move. I ain't shooting at it like you and the Higgett boys at home. All you do is lie there comfortable, hit it. You don't even load your own cartridges. They come in boxes, and we have what they call hand-to-hand -hand combat. Get to wrestle with them city boys. I got to be real careful, though. They break easy. I ain't fighting with that old bull at home. I'm the best one they got except for this tug guy from Silver Lake. I beat him once. He's 6'8", nearly 300 pounds. I'm only 5'6", and 130. Be sure to tell Walt and Elmer to hurry up and join before the other fellows get the setup. Your loving daughter, Alice. <laughs> you can tell the love of her family through that letter. Well, God's love is also the most important part to me is God's love is a sacrificial love. <clears throat> and the best verse for that is simply John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Martin Luther once called John 3.16 the heart of the Bible. It's the gospel in miniature. 
all that needs to be said. So this is Dwight L. Moody on the left side of the screen. Dwight L. Moody was a pastor. He had an amazing church. He learned to appreciate the greatness of God's love. He had been in Great Britain and England in the early days of his ministry, and he met a young English preacher named Henry Morehouse, who's on the right. One day Morehouse said to Moody, I want to go to America. Well, if you ever get to Chicago, come to my church, and I'll give you a chance to preach. You know what that's like? He's kind of saying, yeah, I hope he doesn't come. He was merely being polite. Nevertheless, he'd hoped Morehouse wouldn't come. He hadn't heard him preach, didn't know what he'd say. Sometime later, after Moody had come home, he got a telegram. Guess what? I've arrived in New York, and I'll be in Chicago next Sunday. Can I preach? Oh, my. Here I am to be gone from Sunday. Morehouse is coming. So we talked to the men in the church, and they said, yeah, let him preach. Moody was gone for a week. He asked his wife, how did the young preacher do? Oh, he's a much better preacher than you are. So wives love to tell their husbands. He's telling sinners that God loves them. Moody was taken aback. Moody said, that's not right. God does not love sinners. Well, you go and hear him. What? You mean to tell he's still preaching? Yeah, he's been preaching every night this week, and he's only had one verse of the text, John 3.16. Moody went to the meeting. Morehouse got up began saying, I've been looking for scripture all week. I can't find any better text than John 3.16, so I think I'll just talk about it once more. He did. Moody said it was the first time he clearly understood the greatness of God's love. How many times do we say things and think we mean them, but we don't even know what we're talking about? Again and again and again, correct? <clears throat> you know that four-letter bad word on Sundays? Fine. So how's your week? Fine. Slightly neurotic, glassy-eyed, no. I think we're all afraid to have that person give the real answer because we're doing this. So a preacher in Tennessee, I found this online as well, broke down the, this verse, and I love how he did it. So the first word again is God is the greatest love. So loved is the greatest degree. The world, the greatest number, that he gave the greatest act, his only begotten son, which is the greatest gift. Think about that. The greatest gift. That whosoever is the greatest invitation believes in him, or sorry, believes the greatest simplicity in him, the greatest person, should not perish the greatest deliverance but the greatest difference, I think I've got that wrong up there, I'm sorry, I got them out of order, have the greatest certainty, eternal life, the greatest possession. So I got those all flipped around backwards, I apologize, so go on. But basically, if you take every single part of that and you look at the importance of every little word, again, like we said earlier from Ephesians, but God. My life was going this way, but God. You know what? I was headed for eternal hell, but God. I've been mistreating someone really, really badly, and I just don't know what to do, but God. You know, God's love is a giving love. How much does God love you? Gave his only son. Only one time in the Bible do we really see that. And that's tough. 
Abraham and Isaac. Abraham has been waiting for a child. He doesn't care if it's a boy, girl, squirrel, or donkey. I'm kidding. He wants a child. When he finally gets one and the child gets a certain age, God says, I want your son. Go up on the mountain, sacrifice your son to show your love for me. You've never seen tires squealing out of Stratford so fast. I'd have the son in the car. I'd go somewhere to hide, you know. You notice in the Bible when everybody tries to hide from God, it, it's not going to work. Adam and Eve, etc. But Abraham went on the mountain, and Isaac said the words that would absolutely break. I mean, before you, even the knife, and he's up there to be the sacrifice. What are we going to sacrifice? God will provide the sacrifice. And he's there, his son's ready, he's getting ready to kill him, and all of a sudden this voice that says, stop. Now that I know that you're willing to give me, my, give me your only son, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt of your devotion, of your love, etc. <clears throat> How far do we have to go sometimes? Well, I told that person about Jesus. You know the easiest way to share the love of Christ is not through words. It's through your actions. Through grace. Being there for someone when they don't expect it. When they're down. You know, I can tell you when my dad passed away a couple years ago, I saw people at his funeral I hadn't seen in years. People drove hours to come down because of the impact my dad had made on their lives. <clears throat> and what I thought about my dad... How I remember my dad is really affected by that day. It's a memory. But he meant so much to them that they gave up of their time and their family to go and be there for his family. You want to see the love of God in action when you're in mourning? All of a sudden, there's God. Yeah, it's AF, it's David, etc. No, 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 that's God. When you're down and somebody brings you a positive word, guess what? There's God. But God. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Every verse of Psalms 136 ends in that. God's love is immeasurable. His love endures forever. It's the most wonderful aspect of all. The heart of the matter is that God loves in such a way that nothing you or I could ever do will change that. <clears throat> Jeremiah 31, 13 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Though you may be unfaithful to him, he will never be unfaithful to you. Though you may fail him, he will never fail you. God wants us to love and shows us how to love through his word and his son. You've got to say to yourself, what does that have to do with me? It has everything to do with you. Are you one who's never known that love, never realized that Jesus Christ loved you like that? That he still loves you? <clears throat> remember the day, remember the joy of the little boy we talked about at the very beginning, the joy of his salvation. I love the verse, restore to me. Help me remember that joy of my salvation. Because that's how God wants us to live every single day. To be touched with such love is to throw yourself at his feet in adoration and marvel that you could ever have violated such a great and unalterable compassion. Once you allow the hardness of your heart to melt before God's love, <clears throat> that's the question. To sit down with somebody and pull out the Bible and give them the, the road to Romans is one thing. 
but to open the Bible to the road of Romans and share how you came to Christ through this. You know what? None of us are perfect. Scripture. No one's righteous, not one. Scripture. God absolutely loves you. God wants you to be part of his family. You know, I go back to thinking about John with Freeway Ministries. John was in prison. And we've heard John's testimony a few times. He's spoken at a couple of youth things. And I want to tell you how amazing it is that a missionary took the time to write him and keep in touch with him to go back and forth. <clears throat> he said, the day you get out, I will be there. And the day he got out, he was there. He showed him what the love of Christ was like. You know, we send emails today. We send tweets today. We send texts today. Imagine getting a letter. You're behind a six by nine cell and you got plenty of time on your hands. You don't need a cell phone. You're able to look at that letter and reread that letter and show that letter to others. This guy cares enough about me. He's going to be here when I get out. He's going to try to help me even though I'm not worthy. <clears throat> Our people in prison have done bad things to put them in prison. There's no debating good, bad, otherwise, short sentence, long sentence. The whole matter is every single one of them is in a prison. Every single one of us is in a prison sometimes in our own lives. We're guilty of things. We have an addiction or we have something that takes us away and turns us from the love of God because we are trying to do it without him. You know, and you may believe in Christ. <clears throat> you may have come to him a long time ago. But that joy is gone. Joy is just not there anymore. You never fully realize the love of Christ needs to be a pattern of your love. He needs to be your model. 2,000-year-old model? No, you know what, folks? He's alive today as he was 2,000 years ago. And the people that point back to say, oh, yeah, Jesus was something in the past. Jesus is here with us today because he promises his spirit. Two of us are more together than his name. He is with us here today. And he says to us, I love you with an everlasting love. I want you to be part of my family. We're gone next Sunday. When wherever we're at, if we run into another brother and sister in Christ, and it's amazing, it always seems to happen when we travel somewhere whether in church. I mean, Dan and <coughs> Julie were among a bunch of brothers and sisters in Christ last week. But you forget that you are family. We're not Sunday and Wednesday people here at Bass Chapel. We are family. This building has nothing to do with the family of God. God has blessed us with a building like this. You are the family of God. When we stand before a holy God someday, we are not going to be standing with this building. You're not going to be standing with your wife, with your best friend, with your kids. You're going to be standing before a holy God who loves you. And on the prosecution side, Satan's going to throw everything he can. But if you've been bought with the blood of Christ, it don't matter. Because if you read the book of Revelation, you win. Does you Think about that. <clears throat> Think about the person in your life. If you know someone today that does not know the love of God, how can I show them? I want to tell you, God has taught me infinite patience. I am not a particularly patient person. She will attest to that. This woman over here is a rock of patience. 
some of the things she goes through on her job, some of the things she goes through, all of these things coming at her from left and right. But do you know how I see Jesus? Her. Before I met my wife, it was my grandparents and my parents that taught me about the love of Christ. But I saw God more clearly through her, and I see God more clearly through my grandma and grandpa on my dad's side. I've said this before, and I love ending with this. My grandma would be up early every morning. I slept on this yellow, itchy couch. Didn't bother me a bit. My brother would be sleeping. We'd stay with him some during the summer on this old army cot grandpa had. And I'd wake up with the smell of Folgers. 4.30, 5 o'clock, 5.30 sometimes. Well, one time I woke up and I walked in the kitchen. They had the best kitchen in America as far as I'm concerned. A little tiny two-bedroom house over off Jefferson just up from Maple Park Cemetery. They had the swinging doors like you're going into a saloon. So breakfast at Grandma's was like, <laughs> I'm here for breakfast. I walked in. There's no Grandma. It's too early for Grandpa. He's a mechanic at Don Wessel. So I start to go to their door, and their door were these slatted doors. You know what I'm talking about, like a closet door? When Grandma goes to wake you up, it was click, 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 click. If you were blessed to sleep in the goose-down bed up front, the one you'd never want to wake up from. And I hear this person talking, and I realize it's my grandma. I bend the slats a little bit, and I look in there, and I see Grandpa's feet still on the bed. He's still out. And Grandma's at the end of the bed praying. And I hear my dad's name. I hear their friends' names. Of course, my mom's name. I hear my name and my brother's name, and it was just like a wall hit me right then and there. This isn't just a random time. She's like, Kevin's down here, so I'm going to pray. This is how she starts her mornings every day before a holy God. And how she lived her life was a reflection of him. Do you want to live your life as a reflection of Christ? If you don't know Christ, as I said, Brother Dan's going to be down front. I'll be playing the piano with Sherry. Uh, helps lead the invitation today. Brother Dan will be down. If you need to come up and pray, the altar is open. But I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for your attention this morning. But remember that joy of the Lord is an everlasting love. Ask Brother Dan if you can come on up.